smoking section. Here we are, another episode of Smoking Section Podcast. Uh, I have here someone, I don't know if she knows this or not, but as someone that I found online, I, I want to say 10 years ago on Facebook. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it was. I think it was there was a video of you playing a solo, guitar solo, and I literally deemed you, before you even got a deal here in, in Nashville, I literally deemed you the female version of Keith Urban. Marcus, thank you so much. That makes me feel emotional. <laughs> I'm like, I, I remember, I remember it because uh, you had like a personal page, and back then it was like okay to like for requests artists yeah. on the personal page, and it was you with a guitar on the stage playing, and I'm just like, uh huh. And I saw a video, and I'm like, who the hell is Lindsay L? And why is she not as big as she should be in America? And I, like, I remember saying my friend, I, told, I showed my friend, actually, I showed Hannah Ellis, that's who it was. No way, uh, I love her. Like, this is like the female Keith Urban. And she saw it and she's like, holy shit. <laughs> well, thank you so much for saying that. that um, that's so cool to hear you uh, say. I mean, gosh, OG right there, 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> When I think back on like the journey that it's taken to get me to like this moment, I have been living in Nashville for the past 11 years and I love it here so much. But as, as you said, like it takes a journey to, to get to where we, we end up in life. You know, it's, it's not a straight A to B point. It's like up and down and backwards yeah. and like all over the place to get to here. And so if I were to like look back on the journey that it took to take to, to get to this moment, it's a, uh, it's a wild one. It's 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 definitely a wild one for everyone, and and, and everyone has a different path. Yes. In, in this town to get to where they're going to go, and everyone has a different journey. There's no, I hate when people say, "Oh, let's do the natural way." There's no like right <laughs> or wrong way to getting Truly. to where, where you need to go. Truly, and if anything, I will say like the differences in everybody's path is what makes you, you, you know? Right. And and when you look at like, like my favorite artists all have had different paths and it's what makes like the beautiful picture mosaic that is them that, that made them turn into to them. So I'm actually grateful that every artist has, you know, to fight different battles and go through different things because I think it, it's what makes the music so good. It, it, it is. It, it gives us quality, it gives the fans quality music, gives us, Y'all, uh, authenticity. I can't say that word. I never able, never able to say that word. It's so hard. Authentic. <laughs> I know. I need to like slow it down, like per syllable. <laughs> it gives us the realness of of artistry and the yeah. realness of artistry. Very uh, much so. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's just crazy. So let's start with your journey. Let's start. Let's start back in Calgary. I love it. How was it growing up in Calgary? You know, Calgary was a really music town. We um, we have this festival called the Stampede. And so uh, it's, it's a lot like Houston's rodeo. You know, it sort of takes over the town for 10 days and everybody dresses up in cowboy hats and boots. And um, you can play so many shows throughout the course of 10 days. Um, so I, I grew up in a really musical environment in terms of like playing live. Like I, I started playing piano when I was six and guitar when I was eight. I started playing shows when I was 10 years old. And so I just, for anybody who would have me coffee shop fundraisers at the church like whatever 
And I remember I was my own manager and booking agent growing up and my busiest stampede. So you can play like stampede breakfasts and corporate things all over the city and clubs of the night. My busiest stampede, I booked 68 shows in 10 days. And I just was playing all over the city. And so I loved performing so much as a little girl. It was, it was wild. You know, the stage felt like home from really, really young. And when I was 15 years old, I bought a 15 passenger band van, like, and I was like the cool kid driving to high school in my 15 passenger band van. And, um, and, I, but I needed it to to travel with the band to, to bring all of our gear to all of our shows. And I couldn't afford another car. So it was like, well, this is what we're driving. And, um, and yeah, a lot of my childhood growing up in Calgary was all about falling in love with the stage. Oh man. So you, uh, I'm, I'm read your Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Wikipedia never lies. No, I know it can be edited by any human being on the face of the planet, but it is scary. What is that? That's scary. It's scary. Like, I didn't know that you were valedictorian. You graduated a year early. Yeah. I was a super nerd. But Marcus, that also meant that I had no social life growing up because I would just study and like do school homework and play guitar. That's pretty much what my life consisted of. And Listen. it's weird because I like friends in school, like acquaintances, but I never like hung out like parties and stuff in high school. I'm like, what were those? Because I never went to those. See, I never went to those either. I was always the one yeah. I, I was like, I didn't have like now I was about Victorian now, but I didn't have <laughs> I didn't, I, didn't, like, I didn't really go out and party like with my friends and things like that. Like uh, most of my time was hanging out with my best friend. We would go to Walmart and walk around. That's that's what I'm talking about, though. That's a good time. And you know what? We're probably better off for it. We're probably exactly. better off exactly. not having partied in high school. Probably our grades are better off for it. Our health is better off for it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, Maybe. if I started drinking at 16, I'd, I'd, I'd probably, <laughs> I'd be a nutcase. Not a thing. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> so we can thank Walmart. Thank, like, the wonderful night spent with your best exactly. friend in Walmart. <laughs> Good Lord. So let's let's talk about when you first moved to Nashville. So you've been in Nashville, you've been in Nashville, like, 11 years, you said. Yeah. Um, the, the town has changed. I've been in it for 13 years. The, cha- the town has changed so in so many different ways. But when you first moved here, what was your first exp- impression of Nashville? Because you were doing songwriter retreats here before you moved here. Yeah, I remember the first time I got off the plane, um, I had like my guitar on my back and I had one person's name on a piece of paper. I did not know anybody in Nashville. And I just felt so welcomed. You know, the Southern hospitality thing, as you know, like in Nashville, people have never been. It's it's just such a such a warm town. People were like, we'll cook you dinner and we'll have a jam session i was like what is this like what people like they're they're i'm a stranger and they're inviting me over to their house but i just felt so um so at home from the first time i was here and yeah i did go back and forth a lot because i was i was still canadian and i didn't have a visa and so i wasn't allowed to make money here and so I would, I was waiting tables and going to school and playing gigs up in Canada. And I would make enough money for two weeks to buy a plane ticket to come down to Nashville so that I could write songs for two weeks in Nashville, in which we call them triples in town, but it basically means you write three songs a day. You write a song from like 10 till two, 
you write a song from three till six, you write a song from seven till 10. And then I would go to writer's rounds at night because I knew nobody. And I was just trying to meet songwriters. And so I would watch these incredible rounds of these people, you know, in jeans and a t-shirt playing these massive hit songs. And you're sitting there being like, that person wrote that song? That's crazy. And then I'd go up to them afterwards and be like, hi, my name is Lindsay. Will you write a song with me? Like crazy blonde haired girl just coming up to these random people. And thankfully, that's kind of how I, I got to know my, my network and my community in Nashville. And so after every two weeks, I'd go back to Canada and wait tables and go to school and, and play gigs to make enough money to buy me to play tickets to come back down. And I did that for a year and a half of just going back and forth because you know, I didn't have a visa. I didn't have enough money to just like move without working. And so, um, yeah, my first couple of years in Nashville was just me meeting people and learning the town and, and finding my community. And um, it, it's just a very easy place to call home quickly. And I noticed that because I, because <clears throat> I found it, I found it just, I, I got in the country music when I was like 15, 16, but I, I I got into radio when I was like 18. So it's like it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. So it's like when I first moved down here, it was on a limb and I didn't really know anything about Nashville. Yeah. At all. And I had no friends. And so I moved down here and literally like, I mean, someone held the door open for me and then hugged me. And I'm like, right. What is going on? It's like, are these people? And you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. I think the first time coming to Nashville, you just don't, you don't expect it, you know, especially like coming from towns like LA or New York where everybody's just a little bit on their own path a little bit more. And, and um, yeah, the, the, the warmness of this city is infectious. Yeah, it is. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, and it's, it's, everyone knows everybody. So it's like, you yes. gotta be nice to everybody. <laughs> you have to be nice to everybody. It is definitely a small town in a big city. And the other part I loved about Nashville is everybody kind of speaks the same language. If they're not in the music industry themselves, maybe they're married or dating somebody who is, or somebody in their family is. Like it's it's definitely a a a one person connection to the music industry. And so it I felt less of an alien because I felt like I could talk about guitar pedals and studio things or whatever. And everybody would kind of know what I was talking about. No. And, and, and that's, that's, I mean, that's just because the title of music city. It's like, that's yeah. everywhere, you know? Truly. Truly. Um, so how did you adjust to how, I mean, so like you're talking about how the nicest was, so how did you adjust to that? How did you adjust to the States? Cause I'm sure I know Canadians are nice. Trust me. <laughs> I They are extremely nice. When I worked for, when I worked for Apple and I was doing, I was doing the tech support on the phone yeah. I would burst out in the nicest way possible from Canadians. And it would just, I would still have a smile on my face afterwards. <laughs> um. <laughs> I love that. I love that you did that job, by the way, Marcus. I think that like doing jobs like that or or working in the service industry make us better humans for the rest of our lives. Yes. So kudos to you. <laughs> like, I think it just builds better humans. Um, yeah, I, I think that the first time down to the States, I, I, like... There's a beautiful part about Canadians that, you know, we are friendly and we are uh, very personable and, and some people will call us pushovers. Um, yeah. But but there was this like very unique thing about uh, about Nashville that I just felt 
I felt like it, it felt like Canada, to be honest, you know, I felt like people were the same amount of friendly and the same amount of, of generous and, and wanting to help each other. And, um, it also is the wonderful thing about country music. You know, I, I, I feel very fortunate to be in a, in a community of artists down here where people aren't like conniving and trying to get ahead of each other, but we're like encouraging each other. And I have a lot of artist friends and we like to high five each other on our way to the top. And, and that's such a rare thing to find, I think. And so I, I feel a little bit spoiled that my whole time down here in the States, you know, I've, I've been down here for 11 years. I just became an American citizen. And um, I, I feel like I've been spoiled because I've gotten to see like this beautiful picture of, like friendly, welcoming Americans that have just been like, yeah, come, come hang out, be a part of our community. Actually like this, this, this could help you. And you should, you should meet this person and, and you should work with this person. And so I feel like my whole um, experience of, of moving down to the States and becoming an American has just been really wonderful. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's great to hear you say that. Cause it's like, you know, we don't always get a good rap as Americans. <laughs> I, I know, and I've heard all of the crazy things, but, you know, my experience has been really amazing. And I will say, because I, I was in L.A. for about six months before I, I came to Nashville for the first time, and the the differences between the two cities you can for sure feel. Like, there is the Southern hospitality thing here in Nashville that um, that that you, you just can't mistake it for anything else. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I got that drift when I moved from Philadelphia and it's like. Yes, dude. <laughs> oh, Different oh. vibe. Yeah, <laughs> it's, all, it's all wonderful. Like part of the reason I love being a musician and traveling, I always say like I really travel for a living and music is just like the side hustle that we do <laughs> at the same time because traveling is like the real main part of our job. But I do love going to other cities and other countries and meeting people. And like the vibe of Philly is completely unmistakable for anything else. And I love, like, I love I, it. I it's love amazing. It. I love it. We're so passionate. And then people look at me when I, when I start talking about things down here and they're like, why are you like so passionate about this? I'm like, I'm just the way I am. I'm sorry. This is just how it was. How it was. You were raised. But yes, going to a town and feeling like that passion and that dedication and that pride for, you know, people's city or, or you know, like just the, their local culture. It's, uh, it's awesome. And I just, I love being a sponge and absorbing it. <laughs> Well, let's talk, let's talk about your first number one. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, what happens in a small town. I think that's the, that's the name of it. Yes, that's the name of it. So yeah, many, you got it. There's no, so many small town names. Um, <laughs> so many small town names in country music. Yeah. There's yeah. so many town songs. Exactly. Town songs, truck songs. It's like, wait, which which town song are we talking about? Which song is yeah. Uh, so let's uh, so let's talk about this. I know you talk about this repeatedly over and over again, but I'm just like just going through your career here a little bit. Um, what was it like getting your first number one and getting that phone call from your team saying, "Holy shit, you have a number one hit." Honestly, Marcus, it felt surreal because, um, you know, like like we were talking about every artist has their own journey. You know, I, I had to move countries. I had to uh, do things a, a lot 
of a different route than a lot of my friends, you know, who were artists who some of them have felt like they came to town and they were given a record deal and they got a number one and this is the way things go. And my path was not like that at all. And so I, I, I felt like for a while I was like, is, is this ever going to happen? I mean, and granted, I, I also know getting number ones are just data points. And a lot of times like fans don't care about number ones. They care about songs that they love and they fall in love with. But a lot of like the industry and the culture of the music industry is all about, you know, those data points and getting those number ones and ringing that bell. And so a lot of my upbringing in this town was you have to get a number one, you have to get a number one, you have to get another number one. You, it, it was always that pressure of, of moving up the chart, so to speak. And so um, for a while, you know, I, I was really fortunate to um, tour quite healthily from the minute I got to Nashville. And so I was, I was playing all these tours and I was traveling around the world and playing in Europe and all over the States. And, and, uh, and I just wasn't having success at radio. And so for the longest time, I was like, what am I missing here? What am I doing wrong? And when Brantley Gilbert, um, called me up, Scott Borchetta actually called John Mudd with the head of my, my previous label and, and said, Lindsay, we would really love you to be a part of this song. And it took me 30 seconds to listen to, um, small town as we call it, but what happened in small town, uh, to, to hear like, this is a hit, this is truly a hit. And I'd always been a fan of, of Brantley's thing. You know, he was, he was a rocker and my inner heart is totally a rocker. You know, I love plugging in my strat and turning it up on stage and, and, uh, and jumping into some music. And so I, I just had so much respect for Brantley and, and what he did. And, um, it was amazing to watch the song come to life. You know, Brantley became like an older brother to me. We went on the road together um, and and just watching the song, like watching people in the audience, more and more of them sing the words to this song every night as it was going up the charts. It was it was something that I had always dreamed of and never had experienced, although I had played and toured a lot. And so it was magical. It was it was a really magical run of a song and and when I did get that call from my team of, okay, it, it's official. Like it, it happened. I think I hung up that call and I was like, like this, this has been quite the feat to get to this point to ring the bell. And at the same time, I, I think that we as humans make goals in life for a lot of different things, you know? And I think goals are really healthy because they keep us, um, focused in in good directions and moving to the things that we want to accomplish but also they're kind of dangerous because when you accomplish a goal and you realize that that goal itself is kind of empty you know it's, it's like it's amazing it's amazing to accomplish the things that we want to but like for instance getting a number one in country radio has been something that I have dreamed about for so long, I have put on so many vision boards. I have like number one has been like written in so many aspects of my life. And then to finally accomplish that and ring that bell and realize there's no fulfillment in the actual thing itself. It's the people that you get to celebrate with and the and you know, my bandmates and and your your family and friends, that is fulfillment. But the actual accomplishment of the thing is is pretty empty and so it was like a wild thing to go through of of getting to you know cross that finish line and be like wow we got a number one but at the same time realizing it was like 
it, it was a, it was kind of an empty thing. And if anything, you do that and, and then, and you kind of celebrate the day up, but then the next day it's like, okay, you got to go figure out how to get another one. And there's like, there's no frolicking in the field celebration moment of like rest. It's almost like more stress of how to figure out how to do it again. And so it was a beautiful it was a beautiful thing to uh, learn and live through and also realize that if you live your life constantly just focused about achieving accomplishments, your life is going to feel pretty empty. Oh, oh. you're preaching to the choir right now. <laughs> I mean, dude, I've, I've lived it and I consistently, you know, bat my head against these things. And, um, and so I'm even saying this somewhat hypocritically, but it, I think it's, it's important for us to remind ourselves that like, yes, having things to work towards and accomplishments to achieve are great, but they can't be a hundred percent of what we focus our lives around. They, right. they just can't. Right. Do you feel as though here's, here's now here's a question and then I'm going to start, I'm going to change the topic, but do you feel as though you've made it? No, I don't. And I know it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause you know, some of my team and like constantly have to remind me, but Lindsay, you're getting to do this and you're getting to do this and getting to do this. And I'm like, yeah, but I can also do this and I can also do this. And I want to be headlining arenas and playing stadiums and doing all of the things. And so I, and I just say that in true Right. Vulnerability. Like, I don't think I've made it. I think I'm just beginning. And a lot of that is, is, um, is also, you know, my own mental health journey of, of being able to look at what I've accomplished so far and be like, you know, that's pretty cool. And that's awesome. And also there's a lot more to come. Right. Um, let's talk about your new song, Sweet Spot. This, yeah. Uh, I, so I played it at, for a couple of friends um and no bullshit all of them said this melodies are catchy lyrics are lighthearted and positive love it groovy (laughs) yes that's my favorite word groovy groovy sweet sweet. are you going in a different direction musically or are you or are you constantly just growing and evolving you know, Marcus, let's say it like this. I have never thought of country music as a genre that should be within like fence lines. And I and I do love country music for the sake of they they really welcome songwriters and songs that say something and that have a message. And I was I've always lived on the fringe side of the format, you know, like when you think of traditional country music, I am not that usually. Um but I think that when I when I look at some of my favorite artists, they're not really in a genre like most of them. You know, when you think of Tom Petty or even John Mayer or even Cheryl Crow, like they're like, well, what genre? They're, they're just right. them, you know, and they just record really great music that I love. And so when I'm walking into the studio right now, I'm. I think for years living in this town, I was very focused on like, okay, so I was just told so much, Lindsay, you're not country enough. You're not country enough. You're not writing songs that are country enough. And so I was focused so much about writing and recording music that was countryer. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, 
Man, that just brings me into creative places that aren't what like my musical heart is trying to tell me. And so right now I just want to write a song that I think is cool and I think sounds cool. And that when I finish writing it or recording it, I'm like, I cannot wait for the world to hear this. And so that is my definition of what I'm doing right now in the studio and what comes out, who knows? Like who truly knows? But I just know that if, if a song is enough to move me or make me feel something, then hopefully it will have the ability to move someone else or make someone else feel something. And that is what I think music should be. Well, you're, you're, you're making great music. That song is, like I said, I loved it. Groovy is, is my favorite word for it. Uh, <laughs> I love hearing you say that so much. <laughs> Groovy is my favorite <laughs> word for it. It is, it is, it's catchy as hell. I, I loved it. I, I listened to it. I've listened to it multiple times already. <laughs> Yes, Mark is my man. <laughs> so um, it's it's been great. Um, one more question, because um, I know you're on a time restraint here. So one more question. So fun. And the final question is, do you have any regrets? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love these questions, by the way. You're amazing at this. Um, <laughs> I wish I would have listened to myself more growing up. And like, I think that we have this, this intuition, you know, this gut instinct, this little voice inside of us that um, tells us, yes, you should do something or no, you shouldn't do something or that sounds fun. And at least speaking for myself, when I was little growing up, I think I got so focused about accomplishing those goals about like getting a number one in country radio that I would sometimes dumb down that little voice inside of me because I was like, well, so-and-so says if I do this, that I'll get to that thing faster. Or so-and-so says if I do this, that it'll be better. And so I didn't listen to myself in a lot of scenarios so that I could take some, like a really smart person's advice and go try to do that. And so if I have one regret, it's to listen to myself. I think that all of us should listen to our guts more than anybody else. You know, like you're, your intuition is pretty smart. It's pretty smart. And yeah, I think people underestimate, underestimate their intuition. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And so if I'm doing anything at this season of my life, you know, if, it, if this is my definition of a sweet spot, it's to listen to that gut instinct and to, to know that all of us can create a sweet spot in our life between the high moments and the low moments. If we just have like, respect for what we've done in the past if we can learn for what we've done in the past gratitude for where we are at and we keep like the future in, in a mindful place i i think that we can all find that that sweet spot that we can live in and um and not have to feel necessarily the, the regret of not listening to ourselves wow wow well this has been a phenomenal conversation <laughs> Lindsay Likewise, L. I, I so enjoy talking to you, Marcus. <laughs> I enjoy talking to you too. I love you. Um, next time I see you, I'm giving you a big hug. Um, I cannot wait. I cannot <laughs> wait. A big Tennessee hug. Tennessee I hug. have one for you. <laughs> uh, so this has been another episode of Smoking Section Podcast with the one, the only, the female Keith Urban, Miss Lindsay L. Thank you so much, Marcus. No problem. Thank you so much. Listening to the smoking section.